On this episode of Resi Week, we talk referral foxholes, being cruise directors, and the U.S. Inflation Reduction Act. All this and more on this episode of Resi Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is Resi Week, episode 343. Answer your phone. No. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Crestron. Welcome to this episode of Resi Week. This is your weekly roundup of all the latest news and stories for the residential AV industry. I'm your host, Matthew Scott for avnation.tv. This week, I'm pleased to be joined by two of my longtime friends. First, we have my sister, Heather Sidorowicz. She is the president of Southtown AV. How are you doing, sis? From across the pond, but not the not the pond that Giles is from. The pond called Lake Erie. It's a different pond. You can almost get there. You can almost get there. Give it a couple months, we can walk. <laughs> That's true. Uh, the other pond we're talking about is Mr. Giles Sutton. He is business development for Cedia, and he's over in the UK right now. How you doing, Giles? I'm doing well. Exactly. Yeah, another pond over here. So we're all over east this time, keeping it in well, almost in the Commonwealth. Mostly. <laughs> We could claim Buffalo. Mostly. I don't know if they'd put up a fight. <laughs> we do have the nicer side of the falls, so, you know. We do. Yeah, when you come, vi- when you come visit the falls, you can, you can walk on the American side. It's cool, but cross the bridge, you'll get a better view. It's cool. All right, let's kick this off uh, with a story that comes to us from CE Pro and Richard Glykes. Uh, get out of your referral foxhole and start marketing. Uh, this is the, uh, the CEO of Azion. He's saying it's time for CE pros to start marketing their service. And more importantly, he, he makes a loud call to suppliers to reinstate and, and honestly just start doing, uh, some of their solid co-op marketing programs that they've had in the past. Read through the article. Uh, he talks about a couple of really good things specifically that, uh, there are some, some expectations that we have going into, shall we say, some of the the market conditions that seem to be coming up. That's Jaws for all you young folks. Um, so co-op, co-op. We should, we should, you should explain co-op for all you young folks too. Yeah, yeah. So back in the day, back in the day, back when, back in the day, um, when Heather and I were just starting out, we and Giles was a wee babe. Yes, and when Giles was a wee babe, not yet doing anything. Um, manufacturers had this cool thing where they would take your sales and take a percentage of it and give it back to you to market their product. Shockingly enough, they they actually participated in your success. Um, if that's a shot across the bow, then take it that way because that's what it was. Um, they They don't do this anymore or... They say they do, and they'll give you some web dev funds that don't really do anything, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, yeah, you. why did you pick that wormhole for me to go down, Heather? Too fun not to. That's true. Um, it's going to give me a lot of trouble. So as I said, read through the, the article. He does uh, specify that it, it is time to start marketing your company. Um, it has changed as far as the, the, the market sector. You can market really, really easily. Heather... It has been too easy the last couple of years. Heck, the last 10 years. Business has just walked in the door. There have been referrals that, again, are easy to get, easy to come by. 
there has been a fairly freewheeling spending of money in our industry and, and with our vendors. What do we need to do to, to, to refocus and start actively marketing to continue to build that sales funnel? Well, I, I love this question because I have been on um, years ago before all of this happened. Um, I was on the CDM membership committee and part of my world back then. Giles, were you on it with me? We were on it together. So you remember what we did is at one point we took a list and we called said list of CDA members. And I can't tell you how many didn't answer their phone or didn't even have like an answering service. And if they did, they didn't call back. Or an AOL, AOL email address. Yeah. <laughs> so as much as I love the concept of, yes, we should be doing better marketing, I just think that maybe we should step back and go 101, answer phones, call back people. And the easiest way to get more business is contact your current clients because they could always need more. Um, I think that in our industry as well, of course, there's the recession and all that talk of that recession. Um, some of these clients can or will be recession proof um, in, depending on the types of businesses that they are in. So if I was concerned about more business, the first thing I would do is I would first start contacting my current and my current clients and saying, hey, did you know we also do all of these other things? That is a really good point. And I will, maybe not proudly, but I, I feel no shame in admitting that I will not answer my phone <laughs> ever. If I don't know you, I'm not answering. Right, but does but, but the company, they call the company line. Is there at least a company voicemail? Yeah, yes, there's company voicemail, et cetera, et cetera. If you leave a voicemail, you should get a call back. If you leave a um, decent, discernible voicemail, I should say. Hey, I want to buy some stuff. No, if I can, I, you don't even need to do that. Just give me an actual number and a name instead of the, hey, I really that one. No, um, but yeah, text us, email us, whatever. We'll get back to you. Um, Anyways, uh, Giles, I do love the fact that he kind of harps on the vendor co-op because oh. all joking aside, when I came into the resi world, that was touted a lot, but I never saw it actually work in practice. I was told multiple times by multiple vendors who I will not mention that, oh yeah, we have a great MDF program, uh, market development fund. Um, and it's great. You know, you put you, you buy a minimal amount from us and we will start helping you with marketing and blah, 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 blah. And that usually amounted to, we will for free ship you some boxes of flyers. And that was, that was it. It's um, a flyer. That was paper. It was a paper product, Heather. And you flipped through it. It was, it was crazy. It was like an iPad. Think an iPad. Think an iPad. <laughs> but like a it physical, folds. that when you flipped it, it actually folded. Yeah, it was crazy. Um, Giles. Can manufacturers do this can, from, from both a from both a tracking side, from both a marketing side, from a bandwidth side, from an investment side? Is there any value in this for them, really? With I, I, I'm thinking through our list of manufacturers in the channel, and honestly, the list of companies that would actually benefit from this and participate in this, in my mind is incredibly small. Absolutely. I mean, so I was trying to think, you know, I'm, I'm definitely not a spring chicken, but I, you know, so I, I, I also do remember these co-op programs when I was an integrator. And I remember being told by the manufacturers, actually not a lot of integrators actually took advantage of them. That was another thing I heard quite often, whether that was true or not. And I think what a lot of the manufacturers have, well, I say a lot, 
some have done now is more sort of pivot towards trying to create some kind of awareness around their dealer locator, so maybe a bit of consumer awareness, or maybe trying to generate leads for dealers through design and build outreach. So, you know, there's that piece of, of you know, whether, whether the co-op dollars would be very well utilized, because we still do have this issue, as, as Heather mentioned, I know it was a long time ago that we were on the membership council, but we do still have an issue in the industry that, you know, integrators aren't marketing themselves particularly well and do this over-reliance on referrals, which is what Richard, what Richard mentions. And, um, you know, the minute you take your eye off marketing and you're reliant on referrals and, and you know, those, the, the work starts to dry up, as, as we've heard with the, the shark sound effects just a minute ago, is that, you know, it's, it, 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 it could be pr pretty bad because then you're, you're up against competitors that have upgraded or, you know, updated their websites that are active on social media that do take photos of, the, of their projects. So um, I don't know if co-op is the solution, is the answer. I don't know if that is necessarily going to solve that problem because it was available, as we all know, you know, years ago and not necessarily utilized. I think it's just, but, but I do believe what he says is right, that, that integrators do need to just do so much more to market themselves better. But I think manufacturers alongside probably need to help integrators with that, but maybe through upgrading a, a sort of consumer-facing portal or something like that. Yeah, I, I always wonder as I as I look at this, and we've talked about this for for years uh, on the, on the show as far as being professional and and you know having an updated website and all these things. Which right now my website is dramatically out of date, so don't go check it out either. Um, but man, it is it is so hard to dedicate time to this stuff when you're so busy, and I think that's the that's that chicken or egg concept of you really have to market when you're busy and keep up when you're busy so that when you're slow it's still there that funnel's still there because it, it won't be if you haven't are you working on your business or are you working in your business yes it's a tough one right because we all want to be working on our business but henry clifford's the only one i think that's doing a really good job <laughs> yeah yeah and we're going to talk about him in a second but it is it is one of those things i there was a day um and this is pre-pandemic where personally i didn't do anything in the field ever on a Monday. Mondays were, we did, we did billing, we did all of those things. We did marketing, we did that office work on Mondays. That's all we did. And we were able to allocate time on Monday to get all that accomplished so that Tuesday to Friday, we could haul on that stuff. And then of course, you let that go one time for one little thing that you got to deal with and it never comes back. So. All right, let's change topics for a second, kind of. This comes to us from Residential Systems and the aforementioned Mr. Henry Clifford. Do you have a cruise director? Uh, read through the article. He alludes to loving watching the love boat, which makes me realize that Henry is significantly older than I am. He's actually my age, so careful how old you talk about. No, he's definitely older than you. No, he's my age. No, he's He's older only my age. Take the, take the compliment Sorry, I, and walk away. Definitely older. <laughs> Oh, although he looks younger than all three of us. Um, it's that running thing that he does, I'm sure. I don't know, Giles looks pretty good over there. Yeah, Giles always looks good. It's annoying. That's why I don't take pictures with him anymore, because I look old. All right, um, and I can't go anywhere. But anyways, um, he talks about the love boat and how there was a 
character called Julie, who was the cruise director who corralled and, and, and got everybody doing shuffleboard and all the other fun things on the Pacific Princess. I've never watched the show, so I've no, I, I'm just alluding to what how this would work. Uh, but then he talks about how through the company, they got serious about their culture back in 2015 and brought in a uh, COO um, who helped work on that and, and, and work on company culture and, and having to, to, to integrate with that within their company. Giles, culture is one of those topics that I love to talk about, but I also recognize that for most integrators, it's a pie in the sky concept. And, and what I mean by that is they're not big enough to directly go after company culture. They're, they're smaller companies. There's a handful of people in the business. So they do have a culture, but they're not going to, again, take the time to create and, and, and proactively try to create a quote unquote culture. How do you go about doing that when you don't have an individual that you can dedicate to being in charge of culture? Well, I think, you know, I was... As you were asking, as you as you were making that statement before the question, I was like, I sort of half agree with you, I half don't, because I think you know the the in a smaller business, you're the the owner of the business is is the culture ultimately. It is the you know that the that they're setting the path and everyone's following them. And I think you know even though I had a, I had a small integration firm, I felt that we had a really good we had really good staff retention. And um, we, you know, I've got we had incredibly hardworking employees as well, and I think the the crux of it is whether you're a small company or large, it's having a guiding light, and that actually you're you're mm -hmm. recruiting, like you know, people that are, are similar to you, should have the same values as you, you, you know, will buy into your mission, and that's really I think how you create good good culture. So I do believe integrators can can create culture it's just it's just very centered on the owner it becomes probably more challenging as businesses scale up to retain that mm -hmm. when you you know what i mean cd has taken it very seriously as well um rebuilding um creating better culture internally as well we we now have you know an hr and operations director on the management team you know so that's something that we're we're also actively you know um, focusing on because when you have a I guess the, the benefit in some ways of an integration firm is you see your employees day in day out in the person mm -hmm. whereas a lot of larger companies CDA and others included a lot of our manufacturers in the industry are completely you know completely remote spread out across the country and across the world so that in itself adds more more complexity as well but um, ultimately I think what Henry's saying and Henry is a you know he is a genius <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, I, I love reading um, the things he writes, and uh, yeah, I think he—he's essentially saying you need to rally around a shared vision. And I think that really helps. Heather, when we were—or or I should say, when I was starting—nobody knew what company culture was. There was no culture. No, no, and that's not to say that it didn't exist. We just didn't have a name for it. Right. Right. You had—you had a mission statement, or a core value system, or something like that. I somewhere I, I'll have the legal pad, you know, framework that, that we worked out way back in, gosh, 2000 for, for Omega of what I wanted it to be, my concept of where it would be. And hopefully I've either got there or exceeded it. But anyways, um, 
it is really hard to to get beyond the esoteric great ideals. How do you nail that down into something that is easily digestible that you can bring on and onboard somebody and give them a real quick thing that you know speaks to them and, and makes sense to them of of what your company culture is and what you expect from them from a value standpoint. It has to be something that you believe in as the leader, um, as the owner, or you'll never be able to sell it. You know, there's some great, there's a great TED talk by Simon Sinek. People don't buy what you do. They buy why you do it. So if you're, if you can't, you have to start with yourself and why you're getting up out of bed and going to work in the morning. And then you have to find a way to connect that to the rest of your team. Um, and that should then weave into all of it. So it should be part of your website on your trucks and you should be, so you should be able to ask your people, you know, what is our, you know, we used to call it right 20 years ago. It was a mission statement. It was, it was more black and white. And today it's, you know, they're, you're about your values and it's a little bit more warm and fuzzy, but you, but if your employees don't know, then you're not, you're not living that purpose. And it doesn't need to be this very formal strategic plan, although that's a great thing to have. It needs to just be something that you can get behind and, and that your people believe it. And if it's not real, they'll see right through it. So for me, it was when I was going through it before I even bought the company, um, what did I want to do? And, and there was a lot of back and forth. I was part of a business program and it was about what, what did I really like? I like to make people's lives better with technology. So it ended up becoming, you know, we improve your quality of life in the places you work, live and play. And everyone here at Southtown Audio Video knows that. It's literally written on our trucks. It's on my website. And at the end of the day, that's the goal, whether it's in a conference room or at your house. If we're making your life just a little bit better, we're succeeding. And it's an easy thing to follow. It's not 10,000 words that, you know, you have to get a dictionary out to understand what it is. And then you have to live by that, too. So, you know, little things go a long way. And I think for flexibility is bigger than it's ever been before. It's not just about the money, pay people a fair rate, but then also we're really big about getting family involved. So at least once a year, hopefully twice a year, we're doing events that involve their others as well. And even if you're a company of two or three, you can still do that with company dinners, going out for a beer on Fridays, close, you know, closing and going ax throwing. There are ways to still bring culture no matter whether you're two people large or 10 or I actually think it gets really hard when you're a massive, you know, when you're big like Cedia or Legrand, I think that that culture becomes harder to weave throughout your people. If just bouncing off that, I actually think you could argue culture is even more important in smaller integration firms because of the fact mm. that, you know, each employee is a percentage of a workforce. Like if you lose one, one out of four, you've lost 25% of your workforce. So actually, and, and we all know, even if you've got that rock star technician or that rock star project manager, the, the impact of losing that person. So e you know, even more so, smaller integration companies should take this seriously. Because research also shows, and this is, you know, I guess, part of building a culture is investing in staff's professional development. It research shows that people also leave when they, when they feel like they're not, their bosses aren't taking their careers seriously. They don't see a path. Mm -hmm. and, and actually, you know, in investing in staff's professional development is one way to, to solve that as well. So it, it is definitely one of those things where if you've got 50 employees and you have one, we'll just say a bad apple, somebody who doesn't fit in they can kind of hide for a while. 
or for a really long time before you you kind of figure it out. But if you have, you know, five people and you have one person who doesn't really fit, it's noticed really, really fast. They'll eat from the inside. Very much so. Very much so. All right, let's hit our last story of the day for a moment. This comes to us from Residential Systems and Ian Bryant, what the U.S. Inflation Reduction Act means for the custom integration world. Uh, yeah, there's a, lot, there's a lot of places I could go with this, um, but we'll leave all the politics aside. There are a ton of clean energy provisions in this bill, which again, of course, only applies to the U.S. So, of course, we've got a Brit, a Canadian and one U.S. on to, to, to speak on this. Uh, I will speak for all Americans. <laughs> Perfect. Great. Just what we're looking for. Um, but there's a bunch of interesting things in this. And uh, again, Ian did a really good, good job of breaking it down specifically around renewable energy uh, management and storage from that. <sighs> Heather, I, I want to start with you on this one. I'm I continually want solar to be a thing that we as the integration community can play with and make some money at and see as a profitable vertical for the channel. And I can never stinking do it because I can't find a business case for it. And no one has proven to me that it can be done. Am I, <laughs> am I wrong on that? Or is this just another one of those like incredibly niche areas where we might get there? but we're probably not going to ever see this as, as a valid CI industry. The only way I could see this really working is, is I, I had a business coach that used to say, you can't chase two rabbits at the same time if you specialized in it. So if you're an AV integrator that specialized in integrating solar, then maybe mm -hmm. if you had that concentration and you really did a deep dive um, and then other AV companies could actually, you could work together to, in your local area. That's the way I could see it. But the, already, as you guys both know, as any AV integrator knows, one of the most difficult things about what we do is all the different things that we do. We don't just make a widget. You can't just advertise for a widget. You can't do a 30-second radio spot for a widget. You know, how do you say you do all of these things? Um, so to add another one on top of that, and solar. <laughs> Welcome to Southtown Audio, Video, and Solar. You know, it 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 becomes uh, it becomes too much. Um, but I could see if someone did kind of micro focus, and you've you've actually I've actually seen that through just AV companies locally, that you have certain yeah. AV companies that are having more specialties in one area. So you'll have more of a smart home specialty AV company. Um, you know, for us, it's more in the corporate AV market. Um, I feel like that's spreading more, so that we're bouncing back and saying, "Hey, this job is more for you," and they might say, "This job is more for you." So, yeah, there's my answer. I like it. Giles, he also touches on the storage aspect and the battery aspect. There are a few vendors in our space that come out of our space that are in the storage market. I've gone, I, I, our company's been certified with, with one of them. And I saw the, I saw the value. I saw the opportunity. I didn't find the clients that were willing to do it. This might change that a little bit, but I still view this as, or I, I should say I'm concerned that this is still one of those areas where the mass market industries will take it over long before we get our foot in the door enough to, to matter. Am I wrong on that? 
So, yeah, this is, it's a bit of a can of worms. Diplomatically. <laughs> it is a can of worms. Like, you know, uh, I, I love Ian, Ian's, um, you know, vision uh, for the industry. I, I, I rarely disagree in the, in the idea, you know, that integrators should ha take a more central role in all of the technology within the home. And that's, you know, shared by other, you know, great thought leaders in the industry like Peter Aylert or Gordon Van Zyden, you know, that, 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 the integrators should take a holistic, you know, approach to ev and and, uh, and connected appliances become part of that. Uh, you know, s energy storage, all the things um, mentioned in this article as well. And you know, the question you you, you just mentioned is, you know, uh, is it because of is it because of the industry's maybe reluctance because of what Heather said in that? Yes, of course, we've had our fingers burnt. The more you start to go into different technologies, the more likely something's going to go wrong and your reputation is everything. And, you know, you, you upset a client by taking on something you don't know it inside and out. And, you know, you could, could damage your business quite significantly. So, you know, integrate, is it integrators procrastination that is actually meaning that others are going to come in and take that? And preventing the industry from being what some of the visions visionaries in the industry believe it could be, um, or or is it just like like you said that actually it this is not this is not our world, this is not you know connected appliances are not a world. It's a it's a it's it's something completely different. Let me let me ask you something about that, and, and then we'll have to wrap. But I don't disagree with that logic. I I, I think we should be essentially the, the the bespoke people that come in and are you know the key knowledge sources for all tech in the home because we are the only ones who understand it from a to z i very rarely see integrators successful at getting people to pay for that if they are not in the midst of a large project i i I have a handful of clients that trust me enough to they'll, they'll call me and ask, ask us a question about whatever tech purchase they're about to do, but they're few and far between. And it's become one of those things where I, I don't even try to charge for that. We've become friends. We're friendly with that client. They do a ton of repeat business with us. It's just the cost of doing business, but they'll call and ask about what printer to stinking buy, which again, I may have the answer. <laughs> I I may not, but I don't. I don't see a. a, a again, I, I'm having a very hard time seeing the business case for how you go about and bill someone to be like a technology interior designer. Is there one, and we just haven't figured it out? I'd like to hear what Heather says, thinks about it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'd like to. I'd like answer. to just do a. <laughs> no. That, that is the nicest pass the buck I've ever seen. <laughs> well, he is English. That's why he's so well, an English, a Canadian, and an American. Who's going to be the nicest? It's not the American. <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah. No. I. I mean, it's yeah. We're. It's. I'd be hard pressed. I mean, I think that there. It, there's a different, when people write articles, there's also a difference between when you do this for a living and you're living this and you're talking about it and you come from a different world from doing it. And so it's, I love, you know, the ideas and the outside the box concepts 
that we see in a lot of these articles, but the day-to-day um, is not as tangible as it does seem in the article. And so, yes, again, if, if I were an AV company and I didn't have a lot of work on my plate or I was really concerned or di- business was dwindling, then yes, maybe I would say, hey, I'm really into energy and, and that is what moves me. There's my why, there's my culture, and I could go d- down that, that road. Um, but, you know, j- jack of all trades, master of none, I think that we need to be experts in our trade and our specialty. Um, so, and I think that it does hurt you all over if you just try to say you can do everything. The best thing I ever learned in the 20 years that I've been doing this is it's okay to say no. It's okay to say, you know what, this is outside our scope or what we do best. And so we want to not take on your business, but here's someone who does. Um, so I think that partnering with a school solar company, if you're not, if that's not your thing is brilliant and you can pass business back and forth, but unless it's going to be something you're great at, don't dip your toes in it. What she said. Yeah, wise wise words. All right, let's leave it there. Thank you both so much. Giles, if people want to connect with you, learn more about Cedia, get registered for uh, Cedia Education, uh, Expo Attendance, all that fun stuff. Where can they do that? Uh, Cedia Giles on Twitter or on LinkedIn, just Giles Sutton. Excellent. Thank you, sir. Heather, if people want to connect with you, learn more about Southtown AV or any of your writings and ramblings, where can they find those? Uh, Twitter is tech underscore chi as an e-balance between life and technology. And uh, Heather Sidorowitz over on LinkedIn. Uh, thank you again for joining us. If you'd like to connect with me, you can find me on Twitter as well at Matt D. Scott and most other social platforms. But more importantly, please visit avianation.tv where you'll find this show as well as a wide variety of other shows with all the verticals that we cover. When you visit the website, please take a moment to check out our supporters. We are extremely thankful for their support and ask that you check them out as well. Thanks again for watching. That's all the time we have for this episode of Resi Week.